Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. indicators who knows where this is going to end up to understand the economy you have to understand human nature how are you doing there this is david here you're very welcome to the podcast which as you know every week tries to make economics a little bit more comprehensible a little bit less jargony and ultimately a wee bit more relevant. Now this week, against the background of Ireland coming under the cosh when it comes to the Apple tax decision, Ireland being described more or less as a tax haven, and many, many people ahead of the Irish budget saying we're far too dependent on multinationals for tax revenue, we're going to look at some big picture ideas, which is how does a country like Ireland a nation state deal with the corporate state, i.e. corporations, not just now, but over the course of the next decade or two. And we're going to suggest a reasonably optimistic and I think reasonably logical way out of the present dilemma, which is we're going to reimagine the relationship between the state and the corporation. We're delighted to announce that the Dublin Podcast Festival have debased their currency profoundly by allowing John and I get on stage on the 28th of November, a Thursday, in Vicar Street for a bit of chat, a bit of economics, a bit of malarkey, and hopefully a wee bit of lateral thinking. Join us if you fancy it. Have a gander at ticketmaster.ie. Dublin Podcast Festival, Thursday, 28th November, Vicar Street. See you there. Now, as always, every week, I'm joined by your man, Mr. Davis. Hell What's yeah. the crack, Sunshine? Very good, as always. How are you? I am in great form. I'm in you, great form. You're, after all your travels, are you back down with Neil boxing? Oh, jeez, I'm back boxing. It's <laughs> brutal. I swear to God. There's bits of me that he has said. He talks about, I didn't know what a lat was. Oh, there yeah. Lats. I'm lifting weights, which I've never done in my half a century on this planet. And it's quite shocking that bits of me when I go to bed are sore that I have no yeah. idea. And it's always two days later that they absolutely kill you. But well, good man, you're looking good. I, I feel like I feel like one of those Mexican boxers. Who's the boxer who said no mass? Uh, Alberto Duran, when he was <laughs> fighting Sugar Ray Leonard. You've got to know your boxing. He was fighting Sugar Ray and he just eventually said no mass, no more. And every now and then with Neil, I just go, no mass, no, mass, no more. <laughs> Excellent. Apple's up more than 6% right now. Google about 3%, but Dell, Intel, Research Motion, and Microsoft are all to the up. 
It is the biggest tax demand ever imposed by the European Union. Taxes. It's nothing but organized theft. The Irish government's been ordered to recover almost $15 billion. I got my income tax this morning. There is no yeah, harmonized rules me. on the EU level that harmonizes corporation tax. It's a shame, it's a shame. Don't even get a tax my bosses, man. Everybody has to pay taxes. So come here to me. I've been reading a lot about and hearing a lot on the kind of international front about, you know, our tax system in general. Yeah. Like the OECD almost calling us a tax haven. Yeah. And like we're full of, of capital from a lot of the, the, the big multinationals and stuff. Have we become over-dependent on the multinationals? Well, John, I think this is a unbelievably crucial question issue that we have to dissect in Ireland, which is our relationship with multinationals, because as you know, American multinationals, just to put a figure on it, have invested more in Ireland than they have done, and this is extraordinary, in China, India, Russia, and Brazil combined. Really? So it's $400 billion of direct foreign investment. It's by far and away the most significant direct foreign investment per head of population in any country in the world. Is that down to us, brilliant marketing, or is it down well, to them, their foothold It's, it's, it's in a Europe? combination of the tax policy, marketing, whatever. But what that does is when you're very successful at something, if you look at, like, for example, people who are very successful in music or, or football or writing or whatever, it, is, it inspires both fascination and jealousy. And I would actually bring it down to a really human level, right? So the question is, whether or not Ireland has gamed the system in mm. order to attract in this money. Yeah. And if we have gamed the system, do we have to change? But I would go back and I'd look at this in a much more long-term way. And we've, we've spoken about Brexit, we've spoken about Britain, we've spoken about Ireland, etc. When the Brits left this country in 1921, not only did they leave in terms of soldiers and military and whatever, but they also took their money out of the place. The Irish state started when our mothers and fathers and mums were young with nothing, right? With no capital. So when you're a poor country with no capital and lots of labour, what tends to happen is you export your labour because you can't actually get it working properly. So for 70 years, Ireland exported our people, Yeah. right? And then we figured out, look, this can't go on. We need capital from somewhere. We don't have our own capital base because it was largely British. So what do you do? And we alighted upon the idea that in order to bring capital into the country, you have to make it cheap. And how do you make it cheap is you don't tax it as much as other people do. So we came up with this 0% tax in the Shannon free trade zone 50 yeah. years ago, and that migrated to this 12% tax. Now, what happened was two things happened which were really beneficial to Ireland. The first one was that when we joined the European Union, we opened up Ireland. Ireland used to be a country with a market of 3 million people. When we mm -hmm. joined the European Union, that market became 500 million. So obviously, there was a massive, massive opportunity. But if we didn't have the companies to export stuff to the 500 million, that, yeah. that opportunity would be there and would be gone. So I think that we did absolutely the right thing to reduce our tax rates, 
to attract in American capital. And I'll tell you a story as well. The Irish-American angle helped enormously. Years and years ago, John, I worked for a fellow called Jack Welch. Now, Jack Welch is the head of General Electric. He was regarded as, he was called Neutron Jack because he destroyed so many jobs everywhere he went. He was an obsessive about this idea of shareholder value. Sounds like a Trump kind of name. Yeah, Neutron Jack. And he was kind of Trumpian and Republican. But anyway, very bizarre. I was actually in the cheese and milk aisle of super value in Dalkey. Okay. (laughs) With my daughter, Lucy, who's now 19, as you know, and she was strapped to me. She was about one. It was 2000. And my phone rings. And on the far side of it is this kind of American who talks like that. I thought he was like like someone out of Goodfellas, you know. (laughs) And he said, uh, hello. Uh, I said, hello, uh, how are you doing? He said, uh, the name is Jack Welch. I'd like to talk to you. And I said, what? Because I knew who he was. And it was the real thing. It was him. And he asked me, would I actually emcee his book launch around Europe? Which was a really lovely thing. Wow. Yeah, it was in 2001. Wow, that's incredible. In actual fact, in terms of timing, it was really bad because it was about two days before 9-11. Right. So the the news cycle, let's say, moved on from that. But anyway, I asked him many things. It was a really brilliant experience. But I did ask him one thing about General Electric in Ireland, GE in Ireland. And I said to him, Jack, did it make any difference to you that your grandparents were from Cork, that you invested in Ireland rather than any alternatives? And he said, absolutely, because he had one of those voices, (laughs) right? But he did. He said, so there was an Irish, so there there was a tax angle. There was an Irish-American angle because Irish-American. Did he invest a lot? GE put all, GE Capital put huge, huge numbers through here. And there was a proximity for American managers. They could come to Ireland. It didn't feel so alien to them. You know, they're not good at foreign languages, etc. So they want to be here. So all these things came together and propelled the Irish economy forward over the last 30 or 40 years. Like, frankly, if we didn't have American capital in here, we would be Albania with shitty weather. Okay? (laughs) No, we would because there's there's nothing going on here, right? Hang on. Did did you do that tour? Yeah. It was an amazing tour. Wow. Amazing tour. That was a, that's another story altogether. Another story okay, altogether. Okay, we got to get into that one. But you know, an actual fact, I'm still quite friendly with Jack and I would talk to him every now and then. And that he's getting well on now. Yeah. But back then he was at the height of his powers, you know, he was maybe late 60s and he was the whole thing. But he's getting well on now. But a very, very interesting man. And a man who changed the complexion of American corporate boardrooms and who's involved in this discussion we're going to have. But did he, was he responsible for the kind of vanguard of all the American... He was not at the vanguard. He was the vanguard of shareholder value, which has become discredited and rightly so. But he was very significant because basically multinational corporations are like, they behave as a herd, like any, they're like cattle, right? Mm. So if a big, big person, it's like the anchor tenant in a supermarket, if you get done stores in a supermarket here, you're laughing because they bring in the traffic and they bring in everyone else. Yeah. So if you get General Electric, you're laughing. Or Pfizer, or Microsoft, course, or yeah. Apple, because they bring everybody with them. So what happened in Ireland, we got these anchor tenants because of the low taxation. They came here. Then there's a halo effect. Everybody else wants to come here. And suddenly you have something interesting, which is a totally new Irish capital base. Now, the question now is, what do we do about this in the future? Because 
For a long, long time, nobody questioned what they were doing here. The relationship was we needed the jobs and the tax revenue. Mm -hmm. They needed a location to export to the European Union from Ireland, where there'd be no tariff barriers, totally free access. They'd be members of the single market and then the customs union. So they were fine. So up until recently, the whole thing has worked well and I believe is absolutely essential not just for Ireland, but for every country to realise that if you're a small country, you have to escape the tyranny of geography, Mm. the tyranny of size. You have to project yourself out to the world. And the way in which you do that is largely with other people's capital, other people's brands, other people's marketing machine. And it doesn't really matter who owns the ultimate product as long as you're getting wages and taxes out of it. So that's my view. So this is like um, we talked about in the previous podcast about Peter the Great going to Amsterdam. Precisely. Because they got the whole idea of trading rather than production. Exactly. So you trade and you you play a bit of jiggery-pokery, right? But now we are under pressure because now the rest of Europe is saying, do you know what? You Irish guys are actually not playing fair. Why are you not playing fair? Because you say you tax people at 12%, but in actual fact, we have evidence that you tax certain companies at almost 1% or 0.1%. And so the question is, what do we do about it? Do we fold up the tent and say, okay, that's it? And believe me, if we do that, this country will go into a tailspin. Or do we play a longer-term game, which is how do we change the relationship between the nation state, Ireland, yeah. and the corporate state, yeah. the big multinationals. And I believe there is a way out that we're not exploring right now. Go on, tell me about that then. So at the moment, the OECD are making the running and they're largely accusing us of being a tax haven. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and there's some merit to that. And... What I would argue is that we can change the relationship completely. So, for example, let's say about three years ago, America, and I'm using these broad brush figures because they're very easy to to understand. Mm -hmm. American multinationals made 100 billion euros profit in this country. 100 billion. Yet they only paid 4 billion in tax. Now that figure has gone up, right? But just like these broad figures. That means they were paying only 4% tax in the aggregate. Yeah. They should have given us 12 billion. If they were paying the 12% tax, they gave us four. At the moment, the European Union and the OECD are saying, you need to go after that tax revenue. So the Apple tax okay, yeah. thing, the 13 billion is another part of this. That seems fair enough. That seems fair enough. Now the question is, is that fair enough? Or does that make any sense to us? Or is there a better way of doing things? So what strikes me is that we need to understand that our business model and everyone's business model, if you're a small country, is based on attracting in capital, Mm. fusing it with your labor, your tax system, producing good stuff and actually making some money. That's how the world works. So what do we do here? I think there is an option. And the option is to take the difference between what they do pay in tax, which in this example is $4 what they ought to pay in tax, which is 12 billion, which is 8 billion. And rather than go and say to the multinationals, 
we would like that money in tax revenue. What we say is we would like that money in shares of your company. So 8 billion across the 100 biggest multinationals shares that are here. And the reason this is interesting is it's always what's, you know, I've always been interested in the difference between wealth and income. Yeah. So wealth is a permanent form of income when you have wealth. So a share, an asset, and the best way to describe it is wealth is something that makes money for you even when you're asleep, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas income, you've got to get out of bed and work for it. Yeah. So the difference between tax, tax is income, but shares are an asset and they are wealth. Now, could you imagine if we put $8 billion aside every year, these are broad brush figures, yeah. into a wealth fund, a sovereign wealth fund. So $8 billion of shares, blended shares of Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Intel, Pfizer, Bank of America, all across these huge industries. Very, very quickly, that fund, that wealth fund, could grow dramatically. Sure, okay? yeah, yeah. Now, I think what we should look at the multinationals as a one-off opportunity, a bit like an oil find. So imagine when Norway found oil. When Norway found oil, they said, okay, we found oil. This is, we're lucky. This is one-off. We're going to put all the money into a massive sovereign wealth fund. We're not going to touch it at all. We're going to leave it there. And we're going to build money for future generations of Norwegians. Contrast that with the British who found... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oil, for example, and they blew it all in the Thatcherite booms of the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so basically different countries. So we look at the multinationals as an oil find. And we say we will take shares rather than tax income. We will then allow those shares be put into a sovereign wealth fund and we will allow that to grow. And over time, that could grow to 100 billion, 150 billion very, very quickly. And then here's another idea, which is that most countries regard sovereign wealth funds as pension funds, yeah. which is to pay people for getting older. Yeah, okay. yeah. You shouldn't get a reward for getting old. That's what we all do. Like you and I are getting old, right? <laughs> 
you know, if we, it today. If we decide that you would use a sovereign wealth fund for old people and pensions, that's one thing. But I think, given the way the world is going, given the change in jobs, given the fact that I really believe in 20 years' time there will be no jobs. There'll be no oh God, jobs. Don't say that. No, there will there'll be everyone will be on contract work. There'll be no jobs. Yeah. So a country that becomes successful in 20 years' time needs to be an entrepreneurial nation full okay, of yeah, individuals yeah. doing their own things, creating kind small of a companies. national gig economy. The whole thing right. would be well, there's a very good book, and I and I rarely would cite Israel as an example of a thing to do, but there's a great book called Startup Nation about Israel. Yeah. And the Israelis have been at the forefront of technology in a way in which no other small country has been. And I think this is how to run your economy, that basically we will not have the luxury of large, large corporations. We'll have small startup corporations and everybody doing their own thing. But what detracts from that is a lack of capital. So can you imagine using the wealth fund, not as a pension fund, but as a startup fund? Yeah. So that all our kids, forget us, right? We're over the hill. All our kids have a little amount of that wealth fund. And they then could actually, because it will be divided by the population. They could then go to a bank and say, I would like to create a small company. And the bank would say, that's cool. Do you have any capital? And they'll say, yes, I have my percentage of the sovereign wealth fund. And the sovereign wealth fund is shares in Apple and Google and Microsoft and the companies to come. Yeah. You know, the companies that we haven't even imagined yet that will be located here. And the kids could then pledge that small stake in the sovereign wealth fund as collateral against lending to finance their startups. And we could change the entire country and create a, a startup entrepreneurial culture in this country, which is exactly what I think is going to have to happen in the years ahead. Okay, let, let me interrogate this a little bit then. What, what would that mean from, from the multinational side? What would it mean from our side? Because, you know, those shares only have value as long as the multinationals have value. So say yeah. in 10, 15 years' time, are Apple shares going to be as valuable as they are now, for instance? Very fair question, right? I believe, as you know, that you always have to have skin in the game. Yeah. That companies will change. Apple may, Apple might not be the company at all in 10 or 15 years, but somebody else will. And if we create the environment that makes it attractive for them, just think about it, money is like water. It flows via the path of least resistance. Yeah. So yeah. if you ever watch a stream, why does it flow that way? Because there's no rocks, there's no resistance. That's why it flows. Money is the same. So if we decide to create this country, this economic entity, this trading nation, where money can flow into easily and attractively, then, for example, the multinationals will come here. They will definitely come here. Yeah. The question is, why would they find this interesting? Okay, yeah. Think about it. If you work for an American multinational now, you are paid in your wages and share options. So your wages is your base income and your share options are your bonuses, your extra. Mm-hmm. And if we're doing well and the company's doing well and the shares are rising, you get paid. I'm just saying we as the host nation 
should treat the multinationals in the same way. So we say we take a base income in tax and the difference between what they pay and what they ought to pay, we take in share options. Yeah. So we kind of jump together. And of course, over 100 companies or 1,000 companies, some will go to the wall yeah. and yeah. some will be these unicorns that the Americans talk about. But what we're doing is we're plugging our wealth into the greedy obsession of American boards, which is to generate most shareholder value. So we're outsourcing the job to them. But then, and the wealth comes to us. And then we use that wealth rather than just as income and tax income to maybe expand this, that, and the other. We say, no, we're going to use this as collateral to create an entrepreneurial society. Yeah, I love that idea. I, th- I think it's a great, great bit of lateral thinking. But does that mean that Ireland is more at the mercy then of the fickle global markets? Okay, good question. Two ways of answering that. The first thing is, like everything, we have to get ahead of what's happening. At the moment, Ireland is on the back foot. And the back foot is, we're not a tax haven, we're not this, we're not that. Mm. We've got to get ahead of that. And actually, rather than the conversation being dictated to, by the OECD and the European Commission, we've got to say, no, here's our alternative. Okay. We're going to actually make the first iteration in this change of the conversation. So that's the first thing. So we've need, we need to come up with a new idea. Second thing is, in a way, we're already at the mercy of the global markets because we're so connected into the world in terms of globalization, in terms of the multinationals. So an idea like this has only got upside. So, for example, you you think of maybe listeners from somewhere like Limerick. Ten years ago, Dell pulled out of Limerick. Yeah. We were at the mercy of global markets. Yeah. But there was okay, never any upside, it. right? Yeah, yeah. We never got Dell shares or anything, which have actually ended up going so far through the roof that your man privatized the whole thing again, right? So my sense is that we've got to realize that there is no real protection from the markets globally. All there is, is a statement of this is how the world works. Now, if we embrace how the world works and says, you know what, we're going to be nimble, we're going to be out there, we're going to take a stake, we're going to have skin in the game, I think this is the way forward. Because the natural tendency for people is to look and say, these are the big trends in the world, how can we stop them? But I don't believe that's the way we should do it. In fact, there's an interesting English story called Dan Gelt. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, go ahead. Dan Gelt was a tax that was raised in England by a fellow called Ethelred the Unready. <laughs> I swear to Jesus, he was a Saxon king of England in about 1100 odd. So Dan Gelt was, the tax was called Dan Gelt and it meant Danish gold mm. in Saxon. Okay. The, basically the Vikings were coming in from Denmark and the old Saxon Brits were there and in around the wash, it's, this reminds me of actually Boris Johnson as well. In around the wash, which is that part, the arse of England up there, right? Norfolk, isn't it? Yeah. The king of England, Ethelred the Unready, <laughs> went into the sea and started, he raised taxes. And those taxes he minted into coins called Dangelt. And he went into the sea and he was booking the coins into the sea to try and persuade the Norse ships not to come in. So think about this. This is what happens when you misdiagnose what's going on. So he thought he could tell the gods 
that he would give money to the Norse. And this would mean that the elements and the winds would change and the Danes wouldn't come in and invade England. Right. Now, clearly, Dangelt was a waste of money. Yeah. Because the Danes came and they weighed lace to the whole of England. So it this is always... encouraged them to come. <laughs> exactly. So your man's giving money away. Yeah, absolutely. But this has always struck me that think about a king on a beach throwing money into the sea to try and stop the tide from coming in. The markets, whether we like it or not, are the tide. We cannot stop them. We cannot stop globalization. This is part of the world we live in. This is the world that gives us podcasts. It gives the world that gives us iPhones. There's lots of good things that it gives us and lots of threats. And Ireland as a nation and us as individuals have to embrace it and figure out how we profit from it. And turning multinational liabilities into share options which is collateral for an entirely new nation, is absolutely, in my opinion, the way to go. Okay, it seems like such a simple idea, but why would multinationals go for this? Okay, because in accountancy, so imagine you are the treasurer of a multinational. Now, in accountancy, what really matters is the bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, okay? Okay. Think about that old-fashioned idea, right? So what you're saying to the multinational treasurers, you don't have to pay us cash today. You can give us a promise of the future, right? So if you're an accountant, you're thinking, that's the best deal I have. Because what an accountant never wants is to give cash today. Yeah. Okay, because that undermines the bottom line, changes everything. So for the treasurer of the multinational... This is a no-brainer because rather than paying the Irish Treasury a billion euros today, and think about what we'd spend a billion, given our political cycle, the more money these fellas get in the Treasury in Ireland, the more they spend. Yeah. Right? The more they waste. Think of this, that, and the other. So for the treasurer of the multinational, what they see is an opportunity not to pay cash today to pay an IOU tomorrow. Yeah. That's gold for them. So they will all line up and love this. For us as Irish citizens, it actually gives our politicians less money to waste during elections. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And ultimately, also, what we're doing is we're saying to the multinationals, the way in which you incentivize your employees, which is wages and stock options, we are going to turn that on its head and incentivize you, which is tax and stock options for us. So if we would break ranks in the world, lead the world and say, you know what, we've got the big idea, I believe every single treasurer, corporate treasurer of a multinational would be biting our hands off. And then you say, what about the shareholders? Because the existing shareholders might say, well, hold on a second, I'm buying Microsoft shares or I'm buying Facebook shares and Facebook are giving shares away to the paddies. Yeah. But then you say, but it's the same as Facebook's employees. So you cannot be against 
giving shares to a country, a host country, and before the remuneration strategy of the company internally, which is also giving away wealth to the employees. And finally, John, I think the climate's changing. And by that, I mean the world, we talked about Jack Welch earlier on. Yeah. The world is moving away from pure shareholder value. And what it's saying to companies is you have to be just more than giving money back to your owners. You have stakeholders. And those stakeholders are employees, are your customers, are your supply chain, but also, and this is the key, are your host nation. So we as a host nation change the grammar of the discussion by changing the way we regard them. I can only see upside. What would a shareholder meeting look like? Given the fact that a a nation state would have a different set of values and priorities than an individual or a pension fund that's invested or... Very good question. I don't believe that as a nation state, we should be deciding to dictate to companies what they do. I think that leads you into a crazy Soviet-style idea. Like, basically, companies are the best people to run their companies. That's what they do. Our nation state doesn't do that. Well, we've often talked about why businessmen shouldn't be politicians and vice versa. Businessmen should definitely never be politicians. But I think that the serious idea is whether or not the nation is compromised by the values of the corporation. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's a grey area that you'd have to figure out. I think it's a good question. And I think it's a a grey area you'd have to figure out. But I think ultimately we have got to redefine the relationship between the nation state and the corporation, not least, and this is really important, because Ireland depends much more than any other country on their investment. We have more at stake. We have a dog in this fight. And if we back off and allow other people dictate the terms of the negotiation, we will lose. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, before we let you go, I want to give you a sneak preview of some premium content which you can access via Patreon. Today, I am delighted to be able to speak to Robert Fisk. I remember when Fallujah became the center of resistance to the Americans and to the Shiites. This is 2004. I went down to Fallujah one day and I talked to... I mean, those days you could get away with it without having your head chopped off. And outside a mosque, which was funded by the Saudis, uh, there were a pile of videotapes. This is pre-DVD, really. And I thought, what are they watching? So purchasing in huge numbers. And I bought some, took them back to my hotel in Baghdad, put them on. They were all execution. What they were were videotapes of executions, clearly of Caucasians wearing black and white shirts, so they were Russian soldiers, being executed by Chechen butchers. actually butchers, people who knew how to slaughter animals, and they would face the camera, they wouldn't know what was going to happen. Suddenly this knife, and they'd try and cope with the pain, and then you'd flood of blood, and you you know. And I realised at once, these were teaching aids. These were attempts to teach those in Fallujah how to kill, and it was done with a knife. They were slaughtering animals. If you enjoyed that, you can hear the full episode and much more by joining us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. See ya.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.